0: All right, good morning again. Welcome everybody here. We're so happy that you are here to celebrate with us. And we are going to be in John chapter 11, verses 17 to 27 today. We're going to take a a little steer off of Hebrews, and now we're going to focus in on a message about the resurrection. But before I do that, I want to give you the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the Gospel of Jesus Christ is very simply that Jesus Christ came according to the Scriptures, as it was written about Him, hundreds and thousands of years even before He came. Every single thing about Him doing what He did was foretold. And He fulfilled so many things, especially that He was going to come, be born of a virgin, be sinless, without blemish, he would live a perfect life. He would be punished, crucified. One of the worst, worst deaths that you could ever endure. And he would be punished as an innocent man. He did, never did anything wrong. He did all this for you while you were a sinner. While you were unable and you were steeped down in blindness and in sin. He saved you at the cross. He looked back. He looked forward of all those who would believe. And He did it for you. And then He rose from the dead. Amen. Amen. He rose from the dead. He defied every single form of logic that anyone ever knew at that time. And displayed the awesome power of God. Just as He said He would. He prophesied His own death many times. He prophesied his own resurrection. And then he ascended unto heaven, and now he sits as king over all, rightfully after redeeming not only the earth, but also every single person that believes in him regardless of their sin. He redeems, and he buys them back from the enemy. Now they have eternal life. That means that they are going to live eternally in a fully resurrected body just as Jesus' body is. Now listen, why did I give you the gospel first and not tantalize you and make you hang until the end? I'm going to do it again later. But I gave you that first because, you know, Jesus did a lot of miracles, especially in the book of John. He did seven, not including his own death and resurrection, which could be as the eighth miracle which I like to look at it that way, because eight is the number of new creation. And so that miracle of the resurrection is a symbol of what God will do for the whole world. But he did all these different miracles, not just to say, hey, look what I can do. I'm God. But he did all of those miracles to point to something. He did especially the final miracle, which is when he raised Lazarus from the dead. Yes, that displayed his awesome power, but it was also, that event was also packed with so much more. And that's what I want to look at today. What that was about, we'll talk about, but then I want to get into what does this mean for the resurrection? What can we infer from this? So with that said, let's go to John chapter 11. I'm going to read verses 17 to 27. And, um, and then we'll talk about it, and then um, I'll get to the, uh, the ultimate, ultimate gospel presentation at the end, which is going to be about one second. And you'll see that then. And you'll say, yes, you said that, Pat. Okay. How can we do that? All right. So here it goes. John <clears throat> chapter 11, verses 17 to 27. Now, so when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb four days. Now he's talking about Lazarus. Jesus heard about Lazarus as being sick a couple days before and purposely waited so that the glory of God could be displayed in the life of Lazarus. Lazarus was one of his friends. Mary and Martha were also with Lazarus. They were all brothers and sisters. And Lazarus and Jesus were friends. Jesus heard about it and he didn't run off. He waited two days. And then he went. He got there when Lazarus had been in the grave about four days. Which means that Jesus probably waited and took him about a day or so to get to where Lazarus was. Now, after he had been in the tomb, Bethany was near Jerusalem. So Jesus was sort of going to a bad place where these people wanted to kill him. His disciples were like, what are you doing? We're going back to Judea. They're trying to stone you. Jesus says, no, we have to go. It was about two miles away from Jerusalem. So Bethany, where Lazarus lived, was about two miles away from Jerusalem. And many of the Jews had come to Mary and Martha's house to console them concerning their brother, Lazarus. And then verse 20, Martha, therefore, when she heard Jesus was coming, she went to meet him. But Mary stayed into the house. Martha then said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Even now, I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Speaking of Lazarus, Martha said to him, I know he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Jesus asks her. She said to him, yes, Lord, I have believed that you are the Christ, the son of God, even he, excuse me, who comes in to the world. So there's the text, there is the context. And so, when I look at this verse, and I look at this passage, and really when I look at any of the passages specifically about the resurrection, one of the things that <clears throat> comes to many people's minds are the attacks that the resurrection gets from the secular world, especially. Even some within Uh, you know, that claim to be Christian will deny that physical resurrection. John said that he who is the Antichrist is the one who denies that Jesus came in the flesh. So some people say that "Ah, the resurrection wasn't really physical. Jesus wasn't really physical. Jesus was a spirit being. And so that is wrong. Another myth about Jesus' resurrection is that he was hung on the cross and given a bunch of really good drugs, basically, to get him through this pain and allow him to somehow suffer and then fall asleep appearing to be dead, and then his disciples with the special whatever they used, you know, gave it to him, the antidote in the tomb, and they he woke up. And we know that is really. Silly! These are easily refuted and I'm not going to spend time going into the historical evidence of Jesus' resurrection because I don't care about the historical evidence as much as I care about what the Bible says and believing that by faith. Now, the historical evidence slams all those myths. But there's also other myths about the resurrection that I know for myself were things that I believed. And because I believed these myths... It knocked my whole entire focus of, of what I was supposed to not only be doing in Christianity as a believer, but also how I was supposed to be doing it. And these myths can take you and they could veer you off and change your worldview to the point where you're actually missing the gospel. You're missing the point or the actually the, the real punch to the gospel. Because the resurrection is the exclamation mark. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, we absolutely would not be here right now. If everything happened, we wouldn't be here meaning in church. Because if there was no resurrection, there'd be no Christianity. There'd be no gospel. There'd be a failed Messiah who who led his disciples astray, these poor fishermen who left everything. They didn't even have anything. He led them astray for three and a half years, all for nothing. So the first thing that I learned, I guess, that really shifted my focus when I thought about resurrection and sort of each one of these little myths, see, the, the myths about evidence to me are easy, but these are a little bit more difficult. And the first one that I, that I like to talk about here is that resurrection is purely in the future. And that's what a lot of people think. They think that, yes, when I am going to be raised at the end, when, when, at the end of time when Jesus returns, I am going to be raised from the dead and I am going to have a physical body, renewed, fully glorified. And I say, yes, that's all right. That's correct, and that's biblical. But if you just focus on that, your focus is going to be on getting there and missing the process that leads you there. See, Jesus is all about process. He's all about the means. He's all-powerful, all-knowing. And he's everywhere. So he doesn't need anything done for him. He doesn't need people to live out his, his will for them you know. because of some, He could just do it himself. But he raises us from the dead for a very specific purpose, not just for the future resurrection where we're going to live on a new paradise earth, heaven and earth, new, renewed, and all those things. I hate using paradise earth because that gives me the Jehovah Witness EBGBs a little bit there. But it is going to be that. Okay? Pardon me if that's what you, you believe. It's, 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 it's fine if you're here, especially if you're here. It's fine. Um, uh, hopefully you'll change your mind after today's sermon. But that's not what I'm seeing. It's, a, it's like <clears throat> this, this exclusively future resurrection must will happen only if the resurrection happens in the present So the resurrection isn't all about future. Jesus said, he that lives and believes in me will never die. Those that believe in him, present tense, everyone who lives and believes, present tense, will never die. Now what does that mean? Because we know that it can't mean what we think it means. It can't mean that I'm not going to experience physical death. No, Jesus said, as we sang, in and he said through the Apostle Paul, O oh death, where is your victory? O oh death, where is your sting? You see, there's no sting of death for Christians. When a believer passes from this world, he moves into the very presence of Christ. There's no sting. No, they may, they may have a terrible death. And, and if anybody here experienced that, I'm sorry if I'm being too uh, uh, forthright about it, but it's, it's, it's... I lost my train of thought. Where was I going? <laughs> What's that? The sting, right? Thank you, Miranda. At least they're not correcting me this time. (laughs) The sting of death. No sting. And so that's what I believe he's implying here. But it's a present resurrection. That means that when you believe in Jesus Christ, you are believing in him because you are made new. He has done something in you. He's done something to transform you. The Bible calls it either conversion in, in one way, shape, or form. Renewal, regeneration, we say theologically. But really, point blank, it's you are made alive. You were dead in sin, unable to get yourself out of that. And the resurrection, the present resurrection, when you believe in Jesus, your resurrection starts now. And that's why it's so critically urgent for now, because when you miss out on the now, you miss out also on all the process that God is going to put you through to get you and to be that resurrection person. So the resurrection is future. It will happen at the return of Christ, but that is not the beginning or the end of the story. Jesus said that you have to be born from above or born again in order to see his rule, his work, the kingdom of God. In order to see that and experience that, not like Nicodemus who was all dressed up in the garb and had all the legal degrees and all those things. Nicodemus said, well, how can a man enter a womb womb, uh, the second time? That doesn't make sense. And he didn't know what he was talking about. He said, "I truly I say to you, Jesus said, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Now what I love about this, now what this really did for me, is it showed me how critically important it is of the continuity of our life with the resurrection, the full resurrection, the full renewed body, New person, no more sin, no more tears, no more. All that stuff is eradicated completely. And there's this, it starts here and it just continues right into the presence of God. When you step out of this world, you'll be in His lovely presence if you believe. The Bible also implies and talks about that if you don't have Christ, it's no different. You will. Go through death, there will be a painful sting, and there will also be, um, it's not just the death that's the sting, it's what happens after, on the other side of that. Because you're not in the presence of, you're not in God's presence technically. You're You're separated from Him. Your spirit is in darkness, waiting for that judgment day, waiting for that resurrection. But the Christian, he already knew, she already knew, because God made them alive. And I know. And that's why many Christians smile on their deathbed. And many Christians are at peace. Because they know they're going to be in the presence of the Lord immediately. So resurrection starts now. The other uh, thing that, that uh, really changes changed my Thought, my worldview is that the resurrection is not just spiritual. Most people think with the resurrection, everything I just told you, imagine everything I just told you, but passing through death, you don't have the sting. Many people believe that you're going to be a full, like that's the resurrection right there. You're a spirit body. You're alive. You're with Christ. You, you have everything. No, that's not the case. You're in heaven with God. But your spirit is there. God is just, it's a holding pattern. A beautiful, amazing holding pattern. That's going to be more incredible than anything you've ever felt, experienced as a human being. As a matter of fact, you will be truly on your way to that full human being, that full resurrection with that glorified, perfect image of God body. But the resurrection is physical. When Jesus rose from the dead... He said when His disciples questioned Him that He goes, I'm not a spirit. So He was denying that very thing. The resurrection is not just spirit. And it's it's not. It's physical. He's flesh and bone. Jesus was flesh and bone. His blood was poured out. But He was flesh and bone. And we will follow in that pattern. We will follow in that pattern as well. But this obsession, our world is like an obsession with going to heaven uh, and the afterlife and all of these weird, you know, explanations from people that had different experiences. I'm not saying they didn't, but we have to make sure that we are committed to the word of God. And God isn't about doing away with his good creation. He is making it new. He is making it new. He's not making a new, he's making it new. He's renewing the heaven and the earth. So we will be physically resurrected and renewed. We're not going to be spirit beings. We're going to get that physical body at the end when Christ returns and we are risen from the grave. The dead in Christ will rise first. After Christ reigns and all the enemies are put under his feet, he's going to hand that kingdom over. That last trumpet is going to blow. We're all going to be changed in an instant. Those who are alive and those in the grave, you're going to get back. That's so exciting. It should be so exciting to think that I am going to finally be, out of all this craziness in my life, I'm going to be done with all this nagging sin that's killing me, that's continually knocking at my door, crouching at my door. I'm going to be done with all of the, 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 the newspaper headlines of murder and school shootings and church shootings and, and wars and politics up and down and all these crazy things. Oh, I look forward to that resurrection. However, we sell ourselves, sell ourselves short. If we don't see that physicality here. Because you see, God saved you for a purpose. And that purpose is from... We see this back from Israel, right? Israel was what? Why did God save Israel, pull them out of bondage? For them to be the light of the world. For them to be the light, they failed. And now you have to be the light of the world. And by you thinking the... That the resurrection is just spirit. That's like putting your light with with the lamp cover over top of it. Because when you know that you are living for the Lord, not just to just get out of here, but for a purpose that God created you for, when you do that, there's nothing like it. Nothing like it. Other than that peace that you have when you know you're in the presence of God, maybe in prayer. There's nothing like it. You're fueled. This is who I am. This is who I'm supposed to be. This is what I'm supposed to be doing because the Lord has given me this. He's made me this way. He's given me this quirky personality. He's given me, you know, all the different skills that you have, all the different flaws that you have. Because he wants to work on them. He wants to use you and all these things. And you are going to look at him at the end. And you're going to bow. You're going to just crumble down. Right? Right? That's every knee will bow. Some will do it reluctantly and angry. They don't love Jesus. They don't like his exclusivity. Only Jesus. Jesus alone. Jesus rose from the dead. I don't want to do it. Bow. Okay. They will. But you will fall down. Before him. One of the other exciting things here. Is that. This physical world that we're living in too, as I mentioned, will be renewed. It's, it mentions here, I just wanna, I want you to write this verse down and go over it when you get home. Romans 8, 18-22. Listen to it. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time... Anybody suffering right now? The sufferings of this present time. And don't think because your suffering is little, it's any worse or any less, where you need this sort of encouragement. Whatever it is, I want you to listen to this. The sufferings of the present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is going to be revealed to us. And then he says, for the anxious longing of the creation waits eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God. The creation was subject to fertility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself also will be set free from its slavery to corruption into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. We see this at the end of Revelation as well. So you can look at Revelation 20 and 21. We see the, conclude the, the fulfillment of this because the creation is cursed. Every time you see those weeds and you see those thorns, the thorn bushes, remember that. Anytime you see Jesus, with the, you picture him with that crown of thorns on his head. He is the headship of Adam. <clears throat> He's squashing it. He's squashing that curse. The curse is removed. It's reversed. <clears throat> now, the third myth, and this to me is one of the most difficult to get over, but this really changed my perspective. And that is the myth of the Easter bunny. Thank you. Okay. Actually, it's not the Easter Bunny that's bad. It's the myth of Easter Bunny Christianity. You know, sort of where we hop in the church on Easter and then we hop out and then maybe hop back in in Christmas or maybe we ride in on our sleigh in Christmas or whatever the case may be. You know, Easter is something we redeemed. Easter is... From I don't know how to say it uh, properly in the, uh, in, the, in the original language, but the god of Esther, or Eoster. And this was the fertility god that Rome used to worship and pray. So if women, you wanted to have children, you would pray to the goddess Esther. And that's where the whole tradition of the eggs and all those things. Uh, happened. And then Constantine you know, basically made Christianity the national religion in Rome, and he took all the pagan holidays and, and coordinated them if they were near a, a, a Christian holiday, that he would, he would get rid of the pagan and keep the Christian one and, and celebrate that. And it was an easier blend in, obviously, uh, for those pagans. Not that I'm saying this is right, wrong, or indifferent. I'm just saying that's where it came from. So there's nothing wrong with Easter. And there's nothing wrong with Easter bunnies, I guess. They taste good. <sighs> but we've redeemed it. What, what, the, what the myth is, is Easter bunny Christianity, I like to call it, because this is the type of Christianity that is, well, it's very lukewarm. And, and again, this isn't a, a, an attack, Okay. And most people say, well, people are coming to church on Easter. They don't come the rest of the time. And now you're going to slam them for coming to church on Easter. Yes, because the only time I get to talk to you, I'm not going to wait till next Easter because I'll just give the same message again. That's weak. So I'm encouraging you that don't be that Easter bunny Christian. See, Jesus here again, he is saying that he who believes in me will live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. That belief is an active, it's a verb, it's an active verb, okay? In other words, it's always used in the sense of believing. You're doing things because of this belief. It's not about coming to church every Sunday to check the box. It's about being that Christian, being that committed believer to Jesus. Yes, we can go to church we can go after church and we could have an Easter egg hunt if we want. There's nothing wrong with that, I guess. But don't forget about Jesus. Make this day a, a, a turning point where you're going to seek after him. You're going to pray to him. God, reveal yourself to me. Show me. You're going to go to his word. And you can take the bunny ears off. And I say that with all love. You got to get serious with christ you can't play around with this you can't play around with your salvation you can't play around with the business that jesus did on good friday god slayed his only son and then rose he rose again he's the only way and that is again how you're going to be a part of that movement that he is doing when i say movement I mean that resurrection renewal project movement he's doing here right now through this church, through all the churches that believe in Christ. God is using it to build for his kingdom. So there's some of the myths that I talked about. Basically, how do they all tie together? Well, before I show you how they all tie together, I want I told you about some of the myths But I want to tell you now the most important truth about the resurrection. And and this is what I believe captures the essence of this passage. What is Jesus trying to tell Martha when he says, I am the resurrection and the life? He's trying to say that Martha says, Yeah, I, I know on the last day we're all going to be raised. I know that's all going to happen. Fine, but Jesus is saying, You're not getting it, Martha. I am the resurrection. Jesus is the resurrection. And this is a hard, this is another hard concept to get because we go from believing in Jesus as a concept, believing in the historical Jesus, believing in this, the resurrection historically, yeah. I believe it. I believe I believe in Jesus. I'm, I, I'm a Christian and all this. But here's what has to happen. Remember, I told you we we're going to share the gospel with you really quickly in one second. And that is encounter Jesus. You see, this isn't about a religion of that we are following here. This is about a person that we are embracing. It's about a person, a risen person. That we are encountering and embracing every day, all the time, more and more and more. And we do it because he loved us so much that he did what he did. There's nothing less for him to expect than our very full life commitment to him and his word. He gave his life. And those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again for them. That's our purpose. That's what we're supposed to live for. And you could say, well, I don't know how that fleshes out. Oh, it's okay. God will reveal it to you. It's going to flesh out for you. You just be that vessel, that open, willing, resurrected, new life vessel. And be empty. Don't be a filled vessel. Be an empty vessel. As Christ was he promises that when you come to him that he will forgive you of your sins and give you this new life listen to this but he also promises not only the forgiveness of sins not only does he promise this new present life that you'll have new amazing true authentic life not happy 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 life All the time. Not, oh, I'm getting everything I want now, so now God is for me, I'm gonna follow God. No, uh -uh. that's not what it's about. It's about whatever God has for you, you're willing to do. Listen to what he says here. Listen to this verse, John 6 uh, 39 to 40. Now, this is the will of him who sent me. This is Jesus talking. That all that he has given me, I lose nothing, but raise it up at the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who beholds the Son and believes in Him will have eternal life, and I myself will raise Him on the last day. Jesus Himself promises you here that if you come to Him and you are given of the Father to God, you are secure. You're more secure than Fort Knox. You are totally 100% on lockdown with Christ. He's got you covered. He's got you covered all the way to that last day. You, living for Him, is part of that project. But this is what He promises. That's His promise to you. If you believe in Him, and so I encourage you, believe in Him now, be made alive, and get your body... And that new life resurrected on that last day as his new creation comes in full bloom. And that another age begins. It's actually already sort of begun, hasn't it? Jesus rose from the dead and that age begun. That age of new life, new creation and renewal. So again, how do these all tie together? Well, you know, resurrection, number one, we said it starts the minute you're converted And there's that continuity in to the presence of God at death through whatever happens then. I don't know. You'll be with the Lord. That should be good enough. And then when it's time to be raised from that dirt or wherever you are, he is going to put you back together like bionic man style. No, not bionic man, but you know what I'm talking about. You're going to be a lot better. You're going to be a lot more secure and happier Bigger, stronger, faster. No, just kidding. All right. The resurrection is also both physical, it's going to be at the end, and it's also spiritual, yes, but it's not exclusively spirit being. You're physically resurrected. You're fully in your glorified body. You're full of the spirit. You're spiritual, but you're physical, and so will the place you are living in be. Whatever you do now lasts into eternity. Your labor is not in vain. And of course, let's make Christianity real in our life. Let's make it real or let's not do it at all, Jesus says. I'd rather you be either against me or for me. I'd rather you either be burning hot or ice cold, but don't be lukewarm. And so if you are lukewarm, you don't need to do anything. Okay, so this is what I'm not trying to get you to start doing things. If you're lukewarm, come see me and I'll, you know, we'll put you in ministry. You know, I'll, you know, I'll give you a bunch of stuff to read every night. You know, and you should be reading and doing all that anyway. No, you just be who you are, be where you are, and God will guide you when he knows that you are a willing, committed vessel. But that main truth is that it is Jesus who is the resurrection. And I can't encourage you enough To encounter the alive, arisen Jesus, this isn't something we're going through the motions about. Get on your knees and cry out to Him, and then when you encounter Him, your life—I guarantee you—will drastically change. Wherever you're at, even if you're at that point as a believer and you want to take it up a notch, because I don't mean taking up a notch like I'm going to really get be really super Christian now. No, it's just the opposite. I'm going to take it up a notch by just killing this last bit of flesh in my body. I'm going to take it up a notch by emptying myself more and by stopping to think that I have to figure everything out. I'm going to take the problems that I cannot change and not worry about them. I'm going to give them to the Lord. He's going to take care of it. This is the resurrection life. And he promises that you will have joy. Through that, So your life will change. You'll be a new creature. The old will become far, far back. And that new creation, you, the new creation, you will be working towards that new creation that's going to be here for him. Whoops better than that? Father, we thank you for your resurrected son. We thank you, Lord, that you loved us so much that you gave him for us. And Lord, that You displayed Your amazing, wondrous power in His resurrection, God. Setting the stage for the entire cosmos, Lord. But God, You've included us in the, in the plan and we thank You so much. Give us, Lord, courage to let go. Courage to surrender to the resurrected Christ. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Stand and sing.